The following program was produced by a community producer. and welcome to 02148. My name is Mike Sharon and I am your host for the evening. It is Monday, November 13th. Welcome to our Halloween show. Happy Halloween. That's right. There's nothing wrong with your watch. There's nothing wrong with your calendar. I mean, everybody has Halloween shows and parties in October, but here at 02148, I thought we'd do it in mid-November. And my guest tonight is somebody who everybody fears and everybody hates. Without further ado, please welcome the angel of death. Oh, 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 Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks. Oh, Welcome no, no, to the no, 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 no. Don't shake hands. Don't touch the angel of death. You'll die. That's all there is to it. Is that right? It sure so, is. So I, I stay away from any kind of handshake. That's right. Do not touch the angel of death. Well, welcome to the program. Uh, you, can, you can call me Ange. Or, or Mr. Death, would you prefer? Either way is just fine. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I saw your show years ago. You played a character named Mortimer. Doesn't M-O-R-T mean death like a mortician? Your character was Mortimer. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. And we're going to be talking a lot about death tonight, I take it. Well, a lot of people have wondered over the years where I come from. And I'm here to tell you, Michael, I just came from the hallway. And that... I'm so sorry. Uh, actually, a lot of people have wondered, the original angel of death, where does it come from? They say in Greek mythology, there's a character, and his name is Charon, C-H-A-R-O-N. So if you know anyone named Charon, just feel free to throw that at them. You, you know. Well, that's, that's quite a coincidence. You are aware that my last name is, is very similar to that. It is, that it is. Charon. And there's uh, the town of Sharon, Massachusetts, you That's know, correct. things like that. But I mean, yes. you know, words have different origins. That's right. But uh, his name was, uh, and he was the angel of death. He starts out as a ferryman. And you'll notice many times in past cultures, they've put coins on corpses' eyes, and that was to pay the ferryman. His name is Sharon. Is that right? Yes. Wow. And he, he's going to take you across the river Styx, the river of death, the river of immortality, and he will bring you from the land of the living into the land of the dead. He, Fascinating. He, you know, and this is, you know, you're going to see this comes into play, the land and the sea, in just a moment. Okay. So, but what happened was through evolution, he started out as an ocean character, the ferryman. And he's got the long pole. Well, the land people said, we don't go across the waters at all. We're land people. So that pole turned into a scythe, and uh, he becomes the Grim Reaper. Wow. He's a reaper because he's a farmer. Those are land people. 
and he's going to reap your soul when your crop of life is ripe, if you would. So, and that's how you get the Grim Reaper. But a lot of ocean people say, and it's interesting, people think uh, when you die, you're going to go under the ground. Yes. But uh, we both know Salem, Massachusetts. That's right. There is a place up there called uh, Charter Street Cemetery. And in that cemetery, you've got graves that have a skeleton's head and they have wings. Okay. Now, it's interesting because the skeleton means we are mortal. The wings means we think when we die, we're going to heaven, which is the opposite of what the Greeks believe. The Greeks believe the sky is reserved for the gods. Ah, and, interesting. And uh, the ground is reserved for humans. Wow. But land people go under the land and sea people go under the sea. And this is where you get things like Davy Jones's locker, that ship that went down with the buried treasure. Right. So when you die in the water, you're going to go down to get that treasure. And that's why in the southern parts of the United States, they call it going to your reward. Oh. Isn't that cool to find out? Yes. So yes. you've got you've got Sharon the ferryman, you've got uh the Grim Reaper and here's the other funny thing. You know why they call him the Grim Reaper? Why? He doesn't like his job. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Not bad, not bad. By the way, did you notice we uh, uh decorated the place for you tonight? I think it looks just wonderful, especially the light that you have right here. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. We got the bats behind me. Showing there's no bats in your belfry. That no. looks really good. Yes, yes. We're we're looking. Uh, we're ready for. I for think some, it looks really good. Some good death talk tonight, folks. So. Well, he offered in. me water earlier, and I was like, "What's the point? Every time I have water, you know, it's like I walk into a bar and I have a beer and a mop." Can't you see? And I'm sorry, you know, well, that's the other thing. I'm sorry, I had to drop the voice. There's just so much you can go around speaking like this. Yes. You know, but yeah. that's the way everybody expects the angel of death to talk. Right. No one expects Lena Lamont from singing in the rain. I have come to take your immortal soul. But first, you're going to hear me sing. Da 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 da. Never happened. No, no. So. I don't think too many people would be frightened of that, that no, particular. Not angel. at all. How no. long have you been the angel of death? Uh, since the beginning of time. Okay. Makes you wonder who was the first person ever killed? Didn't Cain kill Abel? I believe so. And then before that, his parents were Adam and Eve. And you wonder where did Adam and Eve come from? The girl ate a piece of fruit. We're going to get into the original, uh, the origins of Halloween through the story of the mother from Greek mythology. Okay. And you're going to see it, it has parallels with Christianity. Okay. One thing is to be as important as is do not call a god by their name. Okay? They took this principle, and when they had filmmaking, they came up with Freddy Krueger, right? Sure. Don't say his name or he's going to come back. And this comes from this basic human superstition that says, don't call a god by their name. They're going to show up, and they're not going to be too happy that you bothered them. They're a god. They're from up there. You're a human. You're from down here. So don't bother them. That's why don't call a god by the, their name. So in Christianity, uh, Y-A-H-W-E-H, -E don't say that name, That's right. say God. Yeah. With this story, it's all about the mother, but you can't help but say her name because her name is her role, Demeter, the mother, ah. the measure of what a woman is. And it's to show a, a female person what it's like and what the stages of her life are going to be like. You've got the mother, Demeter. Her daughter is Persephone. Uh, for those of you who are fans of Town, the musical, that's, what, that's this story. It would later develop into Beauty and the Beast and Phantom of the Opera. You understand? It's a wow. timeless, timeless story told over and over and over again.
It's why Christianity has the virgin mother Correct. together. Yep. This story has them separate. Demeter's the mother, the daughter's Persephone. Don't call her Persephone by her name. Call her Cora, the daughter or the girl. So Hades comes up from the underworld, and uh, that's who I would work for, Charon. I would work for Hades. He's the lord of the dead. Yes. And Zeus, his brother, is king of the sky, and Demeter, his sister, is the earth, the goddess of the earth, the goddess of the corn. So, uh, Hades... It's quite an education, Malden. Isn't it? It, it's so great. It it's awesome. Here's the story. Hades comes up. He says, I want a bride. You have all these brides. I don't have any. I just want one, and I want our niece. And Zeus says, well, I can't just give her to you. But there she is. And Hades takes Persephone into the underworld, just like the earth takes a seed at planting time. You with me? I'm with you. It's trying to figure out the universe by what we are and what we have, the land, the sea, plants. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but as soon as the daughter's gone, that means she's gone and she's been kidnapped and the mother loses the color in her face. Who took my kid? And that's why the leaves change the color in the autumn. The mother flies up to the sun, Helios, the sun god, and says, who took my kid? And they say Helios has a million eyes that shine like one. And isn't that a typical uh, description of what God is? Sure. All eyes together. The sun sees everything. The sun says your brother in hell took her. This is why, and it's interesting, the ancients knew that the earth was closest to the sun in mid-October, October 10th. Oh. It's the mother looking <coughs> for the daughter. So then the mother says, well, if my daughter's in hell, and again, another typical thing, superstitions everybody knows, nobody ever comes back from the dead. Nobody. Once you're with me, you're not going back. No one comes back. No one. No. But this is why Jesus is the greatest story ever told. He came back, didn't he? That's right. Okay. So, but that's another story. <laughs> so we'll talk about that in a couple of months. Maybe February when you're working on the Christmas show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. Superstitions, though. That, that, we're coming, we're coming okay. to that. Let All me right. finish the story. All right. All right. So it. with this... The mother realizes no one comes back from the world of the dead, and she gets so upset. She doesn't bathe at all, and her dandruff gets so bad because her heart is so cold. Her dandruff is everywhere, and it's killing her. This is snow, and she decides she will kill mankind with it because if she can't have a kid, no one's ever going to have a kid ever again. This is why this story has been suppressed over the years. A woman is supposed to be a source of growth, yes, not destruction. And this story is the origin of this. I'm your mother. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. <laughs> Isn't that hysterical? It's very funny. And that's very what funny. the mother is saying. That's right. That's why she's going to freeze us all to death. Ah. So with this, Zeus goes to Hades and says, you have to give her back. If the humans die, the gods will die too. Because without humans to believe in the gods, the gods do not exist. Okay. So, in the underworld, the girl ate a piece of the fruit, just like Adam and Eve. Right. And this story Thanks is to... before Adam and Eve. Okay. Only in this story, she ate a pomegranate, and she had three bites. Some say four, some say six. I like the story of three, because that's the bargain. Persephone will, she's summertime. She'll be here for three months, leaving for three months, gone for three months and coming back for three months and it explains the seasons ah you see what i'm saying yes yes very very seasonal symmetrical threes that's right, right. right. but when they sold the church we said our god doesn't come back in three months we only have to wait three days 
You understand? I got it. So this is selling it. Persephone is so beautiful that when her foot touches the ground, flowers bloom. Every time it rains, it's the mother crying if she's happy or sad. And aren't we made out of water? We are made of the mother's tears. So when the mother is looking for the daughter, so, and this is so cool because it's where you get to find out all about their idea about the creatures that are going to be in hell. Oh. Uh, well, first of all, have you ever heard of Hell's Bells? Yes. Across the entrance to hell, which, by the way, hell is not such a bad thing. Hell in Greek means peace. Rest in hell, rest in peace. So the story of Helen of Troy is a war over peace. Well, if it's P-E-A-C-E or P-I-E-C-E, it depends on this story with Helen, right? But, uh, okay, that was a spelling joke for those of you at home. But uh, still, it's, a, it's, it's literally personified peace, Helen. Gotcha. Wow. So the Greeks believe when you die, you're going to the good place, the Christian heaven, which they called uh, the Elysian Fields. And when you died, you're going to the bad place, Tartarus, where people are rightfully tortured. So, tartar on your teeth yes. is hell in your mouth. A tartar sauce used to have horseradish in it, making it a spicy or a hell sauce. Shrimp tartar has lots of peppers in it. There are flowers that have tartar in it, meaning these flowers could grow anywhere, even in hell. Uh, so anytime you see tartar. Just looking at you, I can't get tartar out of my head. <laughs> I never know. There's tartar on the street street. Okay. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it just goes on and on. So, oh, it's but, fascinating. So, Continue. But they, they really didn't have a limbo. But let me tell you things about ancient Greek hell. They're fascinating. As soon as you go there, you sit on a chair of forgetfulness, and you're going to forget what happened to you. So wouldn't that be nice to know that you're not going to be tortured by what happened to you in your life for eternity? You get to forget about it as soon as you go So in. everything's forgotten. Your whole Bye. life is forgotten. That's it. Yeah. Don't even remember who you are. How yeah. can you miss a life that you don't remember? What a happy thought. Goodbye. I'm not going to be tortured forever. Okay. Which is such a good thing. Uh, there's a guy in there who did something to some god. They put him in a pool of water up to his waist. And every time he wants to drink, he tries to sink down in the water, but the water sinks and goes away. And he's hungry, and there's an apple over his head. And every time he goes to reach up for the apple, the apple pulls away. The guy's name is Tantalus, as in being tantalized. Tantalized. Very nice. There's a guy named Sisyphus. Sisyphus's chore for eternity is to roll a big rock up the hill, and as soon as it gets to the top and he's just about to do it, it gets too heavy. He has to let it go, and it goes back down. That's his eternity. This guy, Ixion, on a burning wheel that, uh, that's forever. (laughs) And that's his uh, thing in the underworld. Okay. And journeys to the underworld. Everybody wants to go there like it's the place to go. So in the Bible, you have Lot. He is the wisest man. Right. And they're trying to get him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. He wants to take all of his holy, holy people out of this terrible, terrible place. And he wants to lead them to a good land. He's going to take them out. Okay. Well, they got that story because the story wasn't the, the wisest, most holiest man. It was the greatest singer in the world. His name was Orpheus. Now, for those of you who don't know, in Boston, the Orpheum Theater is named for Orpheus. He's the greatest singer of all time. I did not know that. And what a journey this guy had. He sang of wanting love. The ladies loved him. He met this woman who would wanted nothing to do with him, and he fell in love with her. And when he started singing about his love for her, the women of the community freaked out even more. When he said he was going to marry her, the women swooned. When he married her, they all screamed. When she all died and he sang of his grief, 
they screamed louder. He begged the gods, please let me go down and get her out of hell. I'll bring her back from the dead where no one ever comes back from the world of the dead, right? That's right. You see? So Zeus says, okay, with Hades' permission and Persephone's conditions. Hades says, yes, Persephone says, as long as you lead her out and don't look back, everything will be just fine. If you turn around, she will turn into a pillar of salt and return to the world of the dead. When, uh, and that's exactly what happened. Orpheus was close to the surface, turned around, and she was drawn back into hell because no one comes back from the world of the dead. So this is why you're not supposed to grieve because it will draw you into hell, etc., etc. When Orpheus came back and sang of his journey of Wanting her, finding her, loving her, losing her, and not being able to get her back. The women loved him so much. They tore him apart, limb from limb, and they carried his singing head to the Isle of Delphi, where it still sings to this day. Wow. So if you're in Delphi and you hear someone, Oh, the wind, the wind. That's what they said the sirens was, the winds in Greece. Oh, oh. You know a siren? Sure. Like on, on, a, on a fire engine are the sirens, the Greek goddesses that lured Odysseus's ship in so they could uh, kill him and seduce him and all that stuff. But they, all this stuff comes from Greek mythology. So this is interesting. Well, up in Salem, uh, I was talking to some of the Wiccans, huh? and I went in there because I'm fascinated by different sorts of beliefs, and I said, I think it's great that you worship just women. And they said, no, we don't. We worship a mother goddess, and we worship a father god. And I said, oh, well, I know about the mother goddess. That's the Persephone story. You got the girl, that's Persephone. Right. You got the mother, that's Demeter. Right. And when she loses her mind and forgets who she is, and she forgets, and she's just nothing but snow and angry and not forgetful, that's the old lady. But what it is, is it's youth, maturity, and old age. And dude, I said to them, what's the male version? And they told me it's the father, it's the son, and the man who's so old, he's a holy ghost. Ah. And I'm like, well, that's the Trinity before the Trinity. That's right. You know? That's right. And the other thing about just a nice Catholic boy. Right. But it's another way that the church sold themselves, and why not? There's three types of storytelling. One is God's. The Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A God, a man, and an animal. So this is one of the reasons they killed Aesop was because he wasn't telling stories about men and gods. He was telling stories about animals. So we are not animals, right? Yes, right. And this is where a lot of this uh, stuff about the witchcraft trials came into play, that they thought witches could turn into an animal. That if you had, I know your cable access. If you had carnal desires, it was the animal inside of you coming ah, out. I and see. you want to suppress that sort of thing. Wow. So one of the reasons the devil literally gets invented is because this is a satyr. You know Saturday? Yes. A satyr, S-A-T-Y-R, is half goat and half man. It's, it's, a, it's a half being. And they're just just animals, and uh, but you don't want to be one of those. No. Those are the devils, you that. see, and they have horns on their head and everything. So that's why the devil gets the horns and all that. I'm gonna tell you, Andrew, you're just a wealth of information. I am. And quite I, frankly, I was expecting someone a little more morose, but you're very happy type of guy. Well, that's the thing. And getting back to the uh, the cemetery up in Salem. Yes. Let me tell you about some cemetery stuff. It's interesting. If it's ground where they're buried, that's a burial ground. Got it. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> if you put a wall around it, that is a cemetery. 
Okay? Yeah. If it's next to a church, do you know what that's called? I do not. That is a graveyard. The graves in the yard of a church. So when a cemetery is next to a graveyard, it's a graveyard. Cemetery, when a cemetery is next to a church, it's a graveyard. That's seriously the origins of those words? Yes, oh. it sure is. But interesting things that I've heard just a couple times and not everywhere. Some information is everywhere, like that information I just gave you everywhere. Here's some random information. You ready for this? If a grave is flat on the top, they're waiting for Judgment Day. They know they're sealed. There's no escape from the ground until God comes for them. If a grave is curved, God can take them at his discretion. If a grave is pointed like an obelisk, like the Bunker Hill Monument or the Washington Monument, if it's an obelisk, those are masons. They're getting in before everybody else does. <laughs> and you can tell by the shape of the grave, okay? Wow, is that right? And it, There is, and it's interesting. Up in uh, Salem, when Old Bearing Point became Charter Street Cemetery, a lot of people had been guaranteed that their graves were going to be near the front entrance. Well, when it became Charter Street Cemetery, they moved the entrance from the side onto Charter Street instead of the other place. And a lot of people started moving their gravestones around because they were supposed to be close. So the Peel family put up obelisks, maybe about six or eight around their plot. And there's a tree growing out of that. Uh, but the obelisks are joined by chains and I'm up there, and I told the story to people on the tour. Some woman on the tour, she goes, uh, yeah, that's their story. And I go, there's another story. She goes, yeah, I'm Wiccan. And I go, what's your point? She said, let me ask you something. That metal that goes through those uh, stone pillars, is that metal continuous? I said, I don't think it matters if it is or it isn't, because a stone or metal, it's an element. She goes, well, there's your point. That's and I said, I don't understand. She goes, well, their story is they put the posts up to keep other people out. I'm telling you, someone else put those posts up to keep their evil souls in. It's a great story, wow. isn't it? Wow, yeah. So, what about the superstition? Are you a superstitious guy in general? Well, uh, people believe different things about me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? The interesting th another interesting thing is this, is how come different people around the world where different things when the time comes to a service. So there are some cultures that wear white. In our country, we wear black, but the Chinese wear red, which is all about the blood. Do you know why we wear, wear black? No. Here's the notion. At the end of October, which is where the door to hell seals shut when they shut Persephone in, they said some of the souls of the dead came out. This has started the origins of Halloween. Is that right? Memorial Day. Wow. The dead are coming back. We need to remember them. So when the dead come back, they're going to come looking for the people, not that they hate, but that someone that they know. And if your dead loved ones come back and they see you, well, they love you so much, they're going to find a way to kill you and bring you with them. Okay, so this <laughs> is why, you know, when there's a, a funeral service or a wake or anything yes, like yes. that, people are going to wear a veil because you're showing the dead people you're not there. And you can see through the veil to show the living people that you are there. Is that true? It is true. Wow. Also, talk, talk, here's another. Why do they call it a wake? That person's dead. <laughs> you can't wake them. No. That awake, you can't wake a dead person. No. They're dead. They can't be awoken. It's awake. And they're dead. They won't be awake at awake. I, I get it. Cut, uh, yeah, I could go on for a little <laughs> while. You know. This has been a fascinating discussion, Ange. I really well, I'm trying. Appreciate. Uh, Go ahead. How about this? Flowers. Why flowers? Why flowers? I'm glad you asked because if you have flowers, that rotting corpse in your living room doesn't smell so bad. 
because that's what it was before the 1920s. There's hardly any funeral parlors in this country. You had a service. You had it in your living room. And if the body was there more than one day, you're going to need the flowers to mask the smell of the rotting corpse in your living room. Here's another thing. Did you know this? Uh, it was typical of a service back then that if you walked into somebody's house, the corpse would be laying there, but not with their eyes shut. Their eyes would be wide open, and they'd be looking right at you. Because the notion is, is that it's their last time seeing you, and it's your last time seeing them. Interesting thing, did you know this? When they invented the camera, one of the first things people wanted to do was if somebody died, they'd take a picture of the dead corpse before they went in the ground. Because you're never, ever going to get a picture of that person alive while they just died before they go in the ground. Quick, take a picture. So you would see people, if they played That's cards true. They all the time. They actually have these photographs yes. in books, correct? Yes, plenty of yeah. them. But you'd have the living kid sitting there next to the dead sister. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible That's like that. Awful. So, yeah. What else can I tell you? Oh, getting back to the flowers. Flowers come from this. It's a Celtic belief, okay? And you've got to understand, the Celts, they brought their story from Greece all the way up there, if that's the way mankind evolved, right? But are you ready for this? The story of the goddess is also in Native American culture. Only instead of the pomegranate, it's corn. And at every autumn, we take three ears of corn and put them on our doorway it's an offering to the corn goddess. May you only give us three months of winter. You see? So that's that. And oh my God, this is just killing me. Are, are you okay? I'm okay. I feel like I should offer you a drink maybe or no, that's a, a okay. mint. No, a you... mint. No? Well, I know my breath smells like hell. Well, I think well, this has been, I mean, the, I do have another guest. And, you uh, have another guest? This what the is, hell is Yeah, well. Well, I, got, I got just got uh, uh, one more thing yes. uh, to tell you about what this evolved into. Again, going to that thing about old burying point. It's, up it's tough Taylor. to cut off the angel of death. It is because, you know, I'm never going to stop. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Uh, Go ahead. Finish, you, finish your. Don't extend your hand. I'll shake it. I'll kill you right here. I'm, 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 I'm not right. playing. That's right. I forgot. So one last thing. Yes. Uh, up and over the years. They have tried to make death a nicer thing. So if you go up into Salem, you'll set, see that some of the stones, you know how most every grave you ever saw has a headstone, right? Sure. Some of the ones up there have footstones. That's right. But it's a notion that's how tall the person was, and that's not a grave anymore because that headstone's like the headboard of a bed, and the footstone's like a footboard of a bed, and this is a death bed. It's not a grave at all. Death bed. It was literally the, the size of the individual. Yes. Right. And you know what? You're not dying forever. You're just laying there and taking your eternal rest. Remember I told you about the peel plot behind there? There's a grave and it should be the angel of death. There's a character on the grave. He's got a scythe. He's got the wings. That means he's the angel of death. But his face is showing and his feet are showing. And you know what? The angel of death does not have a showing face. Okay? Ah. This is the angel of death that's going to come see you before you die. This is the one that takes you to the other side. Just like in Scrooge. Like, gotcha. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The spirit of Christmas. Oh, yeah. Okay? That's fascinating. So, but yes. this character on the grave, you can see his feet and you can see his face. And the first time I saw it, I was like, what the hell is this? He's also got, are you ready, an hourglass on his head. You know why? Why? He is old father time, and he has time on his mind. And his feet are showing because he will catch up to you, and his face is showing because he's watching you. And this is a way of making death a nicer thing. Very nice, very nice. That's well, it. this has been a fascinating conversation. It I hope we can continue with many, many, many years down the road. Much later. Uh, uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, by the way, that'll be in just about four years. Is that right? You've got, you've got an inside track on that. Come oh, on. You can't argue with the angel of death. Four years. I better get to it. My bucket list is... That's right. First thing... Getting larger and larger. And the first thing on your bucket list... Yes. Buy a bucket. And on that note, folks, 
Uh, we're going to say goodnight to the angel of death. It's been a mild pleasure of mine to have you on. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know, really. It's been a very, I hope Malden has, has gotten a fine education on death, and, mm -hmm. and you're not as frightened as it as you were before the show began. And that yeah. was my goal tonight. So, uh, Mr. Death, thank you for coming. And again, I hope to see you in about 20 or 30 years. But <laughs> Four. Four, okay. Okay, well. Thank you. Good no, later. Later. Thanks. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, the show's not over. I hope you enjoyed that. That was the angel of death. A lot nicer fellow than I was expecting. Um, and again, uh, we'd like to thank Mr. Death for coming down tonight. We know it's a little uh, off-season. It is November 13th, after all. Uh, but anyways, there's more show. And our next guest, my next guest, is someone who I've had on the program before. He is a 1980 Malden High graduate. He's been a comedian and, and improvisationalist for many, many, many years, and a very talented individual, and I'm uh, very proud to call him my friend as well. Welcome to the program, Mr. Bob Cottrell. Thank you. Oh, Jesus. It, well, you know, the figures <laughs> up. There's no kayfabe. This isn't wrestling either. Well, there'll really. be no post-production either. That's that. Don't worry uh, about Bob, it. Bob, welcome no. to the program. Good thanks to see you, my thanks, friend. Thanks. Nice to see you, my friend. Uh, Always, always a pleasure to have you on. It was, it was almost three years in the, in the height of, of COVID where we did a special Halloween show up in Salem. Do you recall? I do. And you took us, you worked for uh, Salem Historical Tours? I do. You still I do? St I still do. And you took us on a tour and it was a that fabulous was so night. Fun. It was a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's, it's such, you know, there's always new story. Can I tell you a couple of the new stories Absolutely. That, that happened? Yeah. You're not as long-winded <coughs> as the other individual. Right? Oh, no, 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 no. No, uh, <laughs> when, when you can see my face, you, you, you see I'm even more uh, long-winded than that. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's the thing is, you know, death is final. Yes. I'm going to just continue. <laughs> I told you I was just like Jack Benny. Wasn't that just like Jack yes. Benny? Yes. So, you yes. know, but yes. I can't yes. help it. That's the way. I was telling them before the show that we speak like our idols. I speak like Jack Benny and Betty Davis. Is that specifically improvisational comedy or just in general? You think comedians just Every, it, I think take no on matter a persona? Who, no matter who you are in life, you're going to be like the people you're around. Like, this is what, again, getting back to all the stories the angel of death was talking about, we understand the universe through what we know. Our mother, our father. So when I speak, I speak like my mother. I speak like my father. You, you yeah, know what that's I mean? Right. You, and, that's and, right. and your people, environment. Your... Right. And people will speak like other people. Here's a great uh, little show business story for you, uh, in case you don't know. Well, you know the Cowardly Lion, right? Of course. Bert Lahr. Oh, love it. Well, love before it. there was Bert Lahr, there was a guy by the name of Joe E. Brown. Do you know Joe E. Brown? I do not. Joe E. Brown is the guy that Jack Lemon winds up going off with at the end of Some Like It Hot. He was the guy. Oh, with yes, really yes. Big oh, yes. Yes. Well, now the story is this Joe E. Brown is in vaudeville long before Bert Lahr is around. But Bert Lahr loves Joe E. Brown. He wants to be just like him. It's why he's going to perform just like him. Joey Brown is working for the boys and winds up getting a Broadway show, and he says, I'm going to do the show, and the boys say, no, you're not. You're playing our club. We invented you. We made you a star. You work for us. Joey Brown says, you don't want me to take this show? It'll make me a bigger star. They said, no, you're working for us. Joey Brown goes to do the show. The boys get him, and they cut his throat from ear to ear. And if you've ever seen Joey Brown, how big his mouth was, yeah. that scar was bigger. Wow. He lives and freaks out, doesn't want anybody to know that he lives, and he runs away and works on the road in vaudeville as a silent clown for years because no one's going to recognize him. Right. So if you ever see the movie The Joker is Wild, it's Sinatra starring as Joey Brown. But um, Fascinating. Right? And, uh, so how's the Cowardly Lion come in? So, well, wait a second. Okay. I'm not there yet because no, i got to finish the Joey Brown story. Okay. So Joey Brown comes, uh, he's on the road 20 years later, and there's Sophie Tucker and Georgie Jessel, and they say, you know, we, you remind us of this comic we knew years ago, Joey Brown. 
we haven't seen him in 20 years. Joey Brown says, because it's me, I am him. They're like, well, we started out together, but we're all stars now. We can make you a star just like that if you want. And he says, I can't go back to New York. Those guys are going to kill me. And they told him, those guys got killed a year after you left. Oh, my goodness. So Joey Brown had been on the road running away from these people for 20 years. Wow. Not knowing that for 18 of those years, those people had been dead. That's an incredible story. Talk about wasting life, right? Wow. So now here's where Bert Lahr comes in. Bert Lahr is a big fan of Joey Brown. Bert Lahr did not invent this. <laughs> Joey Brown invented it. <laughs> which was a big thing in, in burlesque that when the beautiful girl came out, the comic went, okay, and that's a big thing, right? So Joey Brown goes away, and Bert Lahr gets famous for going, and why is he doing it? Because no one's saying, hey, that's Joey Brown's bit. Right. But when Joey Brown comes back, everybody says to him, you stole that from Bert Lahr. And he said, no. I didn't. He took it from me. And the same thing, Bob Hope and Jack Benny. I'm going to walk for a second, so pull the camera back. So okay. They you both, go? They both, I'm just going to walk. Okay. They both walk like this, the carefree guy. It's low budget. We don't have anybody behind the camera. See that? Devil may care. Yes. Yes. And everybody said that Jack Benny stole it from Bob Hope, and Bob Hope stole it from Jack Benny. Neither yeah. one stole it from either. They both wanted to be Frank Bay. Gotcha. And that was the guy that they worshipped. They, that's the people they... So every time you see somebody who is somebody... Now Milton Berle actually did steal everything. He did steal everything. <laughs> and speaking of that, when everybody went to Jerry Lewis when he came on, he was so... Berle had been around for 20, 30 years. And now here he is 50 years old. Oh, we're tired of him. There's Jerry Lewis. Oh, he's that 18-year-old kid who's doing the same thing that 50-year-old man did. And everybody thought, isn't that wonderful? He's, he's so original. And Burl and Jerry Lewis will both tell you. Jerry Lewis said, I'm nothing but a cheap Burl impressionist. Yeah. That he stole everything yeah. from him. Yeah. So Carson, Carson gives uh, Jack Benny a he took from, right. from him all the looks and, and the I was, mannerisms. I, I was Trying to show you this when we're getting ready, but you missed it. So okay. let me show the camera. It's because it's 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 it's, it's a it's and, and and I've noticed how much I talk like George Burns just yeah. naturally, and I'm and, and I'm not trying to. You see, now I am, but you know it's somewhere in there. Right. I'm, I'm so them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing, and it's this for the close up over here. Are you ready? Johnny Carson did his monologue like a lawn sprinkler. Watch. Isn't that cool? He really did. He really did. Right? Yeah, Johnny did. Carson. <laughs> so I That's love good. that. Hey, yeah. you want to challenge me? You want to? You know I do impressions. If you say a name, I'll try and imitate him. Uh, let's see. Okay. Or you want to do a, a joke? I can make up a joke if you want to. Yeah, just run with it. You're, you're throw a throw me an object. Off. I'll tell you a joke. Uh, an orange. Oh, you don't want to do that joke again. You said it's a clean show. Let's yes, say, yes. Let's save that clean. one to go for. Uh, what kind of an object? How about a pen? A pen. Uh, did uh, did you hear about uh, where do what do you call a, 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 the window of a pen? What? That's a pencil. Ah, not. Did bad. you hear about the pen that said to the pencil, "Where you go?" And then the pencil said, "I gotta go number two. <laughs> the pencil said to the pen, "Do you do you, do you know where the bathroom is?" The pen said, "No. Do you want me to take you?" And the pencil said, "Yeah, I need to be led." <laughs> I'm so sorry. Not bad. It's a whole bit bits and, on pens. And the, come on, you give me a pen. I'll give you a line. I mean, cause you right? Cause you're okay. You good. know, very good. Very you know, good. See, the pens don't hang around uh, with the pencils at all. They're, now, I, I no, guess, they're they're part of their own clique. Serious question, Paul. Click. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. We're, we're done with the pen. We're not going back to the orange. Okay. Go ahead. Um, you're improv. Yeah. And your comedy over the years. Now, and you teach improv, yeah. right? But going back to, I don't know, was this, this bug in you in high school as a kid, but were you always able to 
do these kind of off-the-cuff type things, improvisation, that came naturally to you? Always. You know, and it's interesting, uh, when I went to high school, the, the drama teacher there was John O'Brien. He was a wonderful man. And it's interesting you brought this up because I've recently seen some students, uh, even people that I directed like you, that, you know, it's, it, well, it's, you want to get in it to help people. Yeah. And then some, some, sometimes there's just no help in people. I, I, and it sounds like a terrible thing. I don't, and I'm just joking about it that way, but. It was a joy to direct someone like you, you understand? There's not much I had to tell you. Same thing, I'm working at a movie theater, a woman came in recently, she's like, do you remember me? I was like, yeah, I remember you, I had nothing to say to you. You were fantastic. And as a teacher, you're just, just so appreciative of all this talent. But John O'Brien used to say that to me. I'd say, what, what do I need to do to make this better? He'd say, well, it's hard to coach you. You're doing stuff the right way. And you know where everybody's so critical to have somebody tell you, you know, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Like speaking of that, you're doing the right thing hosting this show. You do a great job. I've seen it even when I'm not on it. It's still a good job. And Thank you know you're much. effective. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Thank you. You know, but you know, it, it's tough when you have nothing well, to that, say. Well, that begs the question. And, and you, you teach improv. Yeah. But it sounds like a lot of people either got it or they don't in right. a sense. Right? But but are there techniques that you there, teach? There is. Okay. It's, it's interesting that, that you mentioned this because I was working with this 13-year-old kid and he's in Brookline in Brighton. And it's a great story. Well, see, the thing that I didn't, well, first of all, you got to understand, I was teaching improv. I was working with these kids at MIT. They knew it better than I did. They taught me how to do it the right way. Okay. And before that, I thought, I have a great idea. You come with me. That's not improv. Oh, I see. Improv I see. is it's a little bit of me. It's a little bit of you. It's a little bit of me. I have to listen to you and do whatever you say. You have to listen to me and do whatever I say. I it's a complete trust. So you need an education. Yourself. Yeah. You need, if you're going to do improv the right way, you have to agree. The problem is this. Improv is the word and. Comedy is the word but. And is the similarity, I'm going with you. Okay. But is the difference, that's the change, it's something that's wrong. So, Fascinating. I'm, I'm working with this kid, and he says, you know, I can be funny, I really just don't know how. And I says, well, the first thing you should do is think wrong. All you have to do is be wrong. He's like, no, I want to get this right. Yeah, but to get it right, you have to think wrong. If the world's best dentist puts a bib around your neck, what does the world's worst dentist put around your neck? What do you think? If the world's worst dentist... The, if the world's best dentist best puts dentist. a bib around your yeah. neck, what's the world's worst dentist put around your neck? Name any disgusting thing. Tissue paper. Tissue paper. A bib that's been used by the person that was there before you. The something bill, I got a you. skunk, I got you. a noose, okay. see, I learned anything something. that is not right oh, I see. is right. Got it. You see what I'm saying? Yes. The correct answer to that is, in your world, that shows how unique you are, is, okay, I've been in this business a long time. If you set a rope, guess what? Everybody set a rope. And it's just logical that everybody's going to say a rope. Yeah. Because it's the least likely thing you would want around your neck. Yeah. So, but the correct answer is, is anything. So, yeah. okay. I says, let me give you a situation. I purposely stayed away from rope. <laughs> Which is good. So, I, uh, so, the kid says, okay, so what am I supposed to do? I said, well, if they give you a situation, you have to just grab hold of an object. As soon as you've got an object, you've got action. You can do something with the object. As soon as you sit there like this, you're not going to do anything. You have to do something in a situation. I see. So, if you get an occupation, Go and start doing what that person does, but let things go wrong. Ah. And visualize your area. So, you're a fireman, and there's a fire right in the driveway of the, the fire station. And the kid goes, I don't see any hoses. And I go, it's better to have a bad hose than no hose. You understand? Because yeah. if you've got a hose with holes in it, right. you can try it and it doesn't work. Yeah. 
and then you have to do something else to try and get something else. No That's, hose is a dead end. Yeah, but no hose, you get nothing to play with. Right. You know, don't even have a ball to play the game with. Right. That's why you need an action. Wow. He said, I said, pick up the next thing that you see. So the kid goes like this. He goes like this, and he looks at the fire, and he goes, freeze! And I go, that is brilliant. I want to see a telephone. Why? Because I want to talk to your mother. Why do you want to talk to my mother? I said, because I think you're a genius. What makes me a genius? You just tried to put out a fire with a gun. You <laughs> thought, it, what happened if a policeman had to put out a fire? Just logically. And that's where you went. It's a brilliant choice. Give me the phone. I want to talk to your mother. And the kid goes like this. Mr. Gautreaux. Please don't call my mother. <laughs> you don't know her. She's going to wonder who started the fire and where I got the gun. It's <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So hey, so your classes must be kind of fun. Those my classes were, were just yeah. plain. You know, and I'm pretty proud. Uh, Peter Martin won the Boston Comedy Festival. He came out of my class. Really? He's a, and he's just, disciple, a, yes. he's just a funny, funny guy. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. And, and you're busy writing, right? We chatted a little I, bit before the show. I write like a son of a gun. Yeah. I, I never, never stop. The idea is, you know, you get an idea and, and you, you, just, you just run with it, you know. Uh, where's my phone? Uh-oh, props, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no. No? I could sing you the latest thing. Nope. But do, how much time do we have? We've got 10 minutes. 10 I, minutes. I know you want to end with a... Yeah. Something here. So, oh, yeah, you want to end... Let me just sing you just a little bit of this, because sure. Christmas is coming. Yes. And you got to... You need music, because I can strike the band. No, no, it's all right. All right. Christmas is coming. No one's ever heard this one. You ready? The pine tree is always greener near somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the Yuletide floor. Such wonderful things around you, what more is you looking for? Under the tree, under the tree, under the tree, under the tree. Darling, it's better, might be a sweater that came from me. Up on the top the angels sing, out on the limb there's lots of bling. While we are hoping what we can open under the tree, under the tree. Come on, cut it out, cut it out. That's beautiful. That's, That's... No one's heard it. I know, and after we'll you heard it, it. You, you don't want to hear it ever again. God, did the angel of death leave you? No, no, no. I, can I do the other, can I... Do the thing I wanted to close with. Yes. Yeah, uh, first of all, that. it's been a delight to have you on, Thank Bob. You. you know that. It's always a pleasure, and it's always good to see you. And sure. I know uh, you wanted to uh, close a night out with, so the stage is yours. Well, especially just because of the time of year that it is, okay? Because, you know, Halloween is about all the dead souls coming back. Yeah. And then there's Veterans Day. you got to love a veteran. You know, they put all the time in for this country to fight for the this country, which is such a great country. My father was in the Army. Yep, mine too, of course. My father fought in one World War II alone. And my brother was a Marine, which means he is a Marine. You know, you got to be, and Thanksgiving is coming, you know. Yep. So uh, the other day was the birthday of a, of a local Malden person. His name is David Alexander. Mm -hmm. He worked with the Monkees. When he worked with Davy Jones, he imitated Mickey Dolans. When he worked with Mickey Dolans, he imitated uh, Davy Jones. He worked with them all over the world, and he's one of the people that not came out of one of my classes. He actually came out of Malden High School. Hmm. And uh, basically, when I got a chance to have a show of my own that wasn't just 45 minutes, and I got to do two 90-minute sets back-to-back -back down the Cape, I said, I want the kid with me. When I did my musical in 1993, he listened to the songs and wrote the music down. He, he made my life happen. Mm -hmm. He was a wonderful man. He passed away about a year ago. Uh, and uh, it was esophageal cancer. It was just like this. Awful. And lit when he called and said that he wasn't, you know, he was calling to say goodbye, I thought he was just being dramatic because, you, you know, yeah. you, you, 
you're in such denial about something like that, you know. But he did go soon after. Mm. So in honor, in honor of, uh, you know, all this time of year when you wish the people were here and all that stuff and, and people that you're thankful for, I wanted to do this story about him. And uh, it's called The Junk of Marshall Dodge. It, uh, Marshall Dodge was a guy who was a comedian up in Maine, and uh, he died in a plane crash. His uh, protege was a guy by the name of Tim Sample, and Tim Sample uh, wrote this about him. And it's just a, a wonderful thing all about uh, objects. You know, we're talking about improv, the object, who's, what's, and where's, so. Take it away. I'd like to take your treasures and your trinkets and your junk. I'd load them on a boxcar and 19 steamer trunks. And I'd find some played-out engineer with steam still in his veins from a life of hauling folks and freight from Boston up to Maine. I would stoke him with a vision. I'd enlist him with my scheme to run that train around the world, distributing a dream. And should he chance to ask me who might want this old hodgepodge, I'd say this ain't just any junk, my friend. It's the junk of Marshall Dodge. Now, with every detail overlooked and only grace to guide us, we'd steam across the continents with Marshall's junk beside us. We'd haul that train to every little town along the track. We'd stop and drop a crowd with whistles, bells, and Union Jack. And as they started gathering, men and kids and ladies lodge, I'd shout into my megaphone, Step up, folks, there's no charge. Feel free to touch the merchandise. It's more than rummage off some barge. This ain't just any junk, my friend. It's the junk of Marshall Dodge. And from every musty leather trunk we'd haul that treasured trash of books and records and cufflinks that don't match, and silly poems and learned tomes and works of art beyond compare. You know, there'd be such inspirational clutter the crowd could only stare. Step right up, folks, I tell them, help yourself. This stuff is free with one small stipulation. Now you listen carefully. You're free to take whatever strikes your fancy from this heap. So long as you understand, it isn't yours to keep. It's only yours to spread around and share with friend and foe. And if you can make that promise, you take something before you go. Like a book to send a relative that's homely as a stump. Or a bicycle that's built for two to help you o'er the humps or a tape machine to capture tales your Uncle Jasper tells, or a boat that's called the Bluebird too, that skims across the swells, or an anecdote to crack a smile across the sourest face, or a pin to prick the pompous and put them in their place. It's all there for the taking, pick well or not at all. We've many hamlets left to hit while circling this ball. And many folks who, just like you in city small and large, will gawk and squeak and stop and peek when we tell them there's no charge. Feel free to take the merchandise. It's more than rummage off some barge. This ain't just any junk, my friend. It's the junk of Marshall Dodge. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure. Good night, Malden. I hope you enjoyed the show.